Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. Don't stay in bed unless you can make money in bed. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking today? Dude, awesome, because I slept my first night in my new condo. I'm recording in the old condo, but, oh, God, I love my new place so much. How much bigger is it? Uh, so it's about like 33% bigger. I went from 700 square feet to 1024 square feet. Oh, nice. Okay. And the layout <laughs> is like 50 times better. And how many bedrooms is it? So it's two bedrooms. There's an office. Um, okay. But you have an office. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And we have like uh, three more closets than we had before. And it's crazy. Oh, uh, man. I, I know Anna and I are going to need a lot of space when we move. Mm-hmm. because she needs like a crafting room <laughs> and I need an office and then like a bed has to go somewhere. So <laughs> I would imagine even 1024 is going to be, would be pushing it. Dude, you, you guys, you guys will figure it out. Will you optimize it? We'll figure it out. Yeah. When you have we'll to do move... like one of those beds that are in the wall and then like comes down. Oh dude, I, that's, they're so cool. That's like, those so... like transformer apartments. Hell yeah. Those are pretty cool. Dude. Like when you have to move and box your stuff, and like Laura and I don't buy a lot of stuff, but I, I feel like a hoarder. I have like took oh, so yeah. long to like I have like four or five boxes of just books, which are like impossibly heavy to load. <laughs> I didn't realize like that you don't fill a whole box with books. Like you just don't do that. I did it. <laughs> you the secret is you get a dolly cart. Mm. Because you can't pick up that box of books. But here's the it's problem. going to break. Dude, I have to go down two flights of stairs, and then in the new place, I have to go up three flights of stairs. Yeah, you pull the dollar car up the stairs. I guess. It's doable, and if you get, uh, like, a cable tie, you can kind of, like, tie it in so it doesn't fall. Mm, mm. Movers tricks, man. Not to say I've ever, like, been a mover, but we had we had a hell of a time moving everything to this house because it's five people, and my roommate, Quentin, owns so much stuff. Like, his parents literally brought, we have a Street Fighter Two arcade machine that we had to get in. Like oh my take God. it off of a truck bed and we had to literally take the screen door off to get it in. It's like that big. And, so, and you moved it in and you didn't destroy the house or the machine? We didn't. No, because we had the ridiculous like dolly car with the off-road wheels and we just had it on that thing. Just crank it down and just bring, just kind of muscle it over the gap. It works, dude. dude okay, Thomas, <laughs> you're hired. When can you start? <laughs> seriously. So, But seriously, though, why are you drinking? You didn't tell me. Oh, so, I mean, I, I probably could be cracking a beer by now, because we, we started <laughs> it's at 11 ni- for you. Yeah, well, I, it, we started at 9, and I was like, ah, I got my water, you know, because it's early. But we've been just chatting about <laughs> business shit so long. Maybe I should have grabbed a beer. Yeah, we've been on Skype for two hours. I have, a, like, a drop of tea left. Just drinking some Irish, Irish breakfast. Oh, nice. I quit coffee again. I was like, I'm going to try it again. Because I like coffee, but no, it it's has the same bad reaction. So, dude, what's the difference between Irish coffee? I mean, uh, Irish breakfast and English breakfast. The Irish breakfast tea is stronger. Oh, but similar and I think taste. it's more. I think it's more flavorful. It is a similar taste, but yeah, I think it's got a better flavor. I I like it better. So I'm pretty sure the English invented breakfast, and then we just all copied them. So. Is that is that how it works? <laughs> the, I mean, the full English is a really good breakfast. That sounds like a sex mm. move. It <laughs> sounds like an awful sex move. <laughs> I'll take a, I'll take a full English. Turn over, baby. I want to do a full English. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway, so today we're doing five questions. 
And we've got five questions emailed to us or taken from the community, either or. I mean, I don't know what the distribution is like. Are these mostly from community or are these I'm, email? I'm going to say uh, at least four or e- our email. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, then one of them is from the community. Uh, but I mean, the fir- so the first one, I feel like we talked about the lottery before on an episode. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if I ever talked about like my views about the lottery. But the question is, hey, guys, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Uh, Wednesday is the CT Powerball up to 1.3 billion, which that already happened, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't pay attention, but apparently it went up actually, to 1.5 billion. And oh my god, so, I, I read uh, Mark Cuban's article about like his advice for what the lottery winner should do. But James wants to know, like, if we won, what would we do with it all? I want to hear what Mark Cuban's advice. Well, okay, is Mark Cuban's advice now Thomas's advice? No, or- it's not. Oh, okay. uh, lottery advice. Uh, forgot exactly what he said. It's like, um, okay. First thing you do: hire a tax attorney. Mm. Don't take the lump sum. You don't want to blow it all in one spot. This is the one I really like. If you weren't happy yesterday, you won't be happy tomorrow. It's money. It's not happiness. Mm. If you were happy yesterday, you're going to be a lot happier tomorrow. It's money. Life gets easier. We don't have to worry about the bills. That's awesome. And then he's like, tell all your friends and relatives no. They're all going to ask. If you're close to them, you already know who needs help and what they need. Feel free to help some, but then talk to your accountant before you anything, do anything else. And remember this. No one needs a million or a hundred thousand for anything. And anyone who asks you is not your friend. Yeah. That's like a really good one. And then it's like, you don't become a smart investor when you win the lottery. Don't make investments. Just put it in the bank and live comfortably forever. I'm like, yeah, if you have a $1.5 billion. No, no, no. I have, I have a view on the lottery that I, I would imagine that like less than 1% of the people listening to this and the, probably the whole population would take. Mm. And it's this. I don't want money I didn't earn. Mm. So like, if someone shoved a lottery ticket in my hand and for some reason I won, I would... I've I've had long debates about this with my roommates because one of my roommates thinks I'm crazy for this. So my principle here is I would immediately divert all of it to whatever I deem to be the best uh, decision maker for distributing it to charities, mm. which means I wouldn't give it all to one charity. I'd be like, OK, who is the smartest person for doing good with this money? They get it. I don't need it. I don't want it. I didn't earn it. I can go earn my own money. So like Bill Gates Foundation or something. So yeah, maybe the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or maybe uh, Effective Altruism or I mean, I, I have like I donate to Against Malaria. So I, I would probably put a portion to that. Um, I would probably put a portion into friendly AI research because that's something that I think is important. Mm. Like stuff just stuff that is going to destroy the earth. What can I do to help prevent that? <laughs> like that kind of stuff. But I know that I'm I am not an effective like altruism person. Like I spend my time doing other things. So whatever my decision would be is probably not the optimal one. So the best decision I can make is to divert it to the most ethical and smart group possible. So let them distribute it. I like that. And uh, first of all, I'll I'll admit that when it was at like 1.5 billion, like the day before the drawing, I I was like, all right, $20. $20. I'm going to go in. I'm going to see. <laughs> you know, I'm going to become a billionaire, you know. Um, and But I was thinking, oh, like, God. a lot about it the whole rest of the day, and I, I really felt like it would ruin my life because, I mean, I'm not, like, solely driven by money, but I feel like yeah. it's kind of like the, the score count of my success and what I'm working on. Mm. And I, I wondered if I would kind of, like, lose focus 
or I, I wouldn't have any drive anymore. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't need, and I kind of work because I need, and I, and I like to work and I like to solve my needs, but if they're all solved, I think I might be like purposeless. Well, yeah, it's that like you need to be hungry. You need to be kind of like in some area of your life, you have to be scrappy and kind of like trying to figure things out. And the lottery just is like, whatever you need, you can take care of it easily. And you didn't have to do anything to come into that circumstance. It just happened upon you. Uh, you know, I've read somebody on Reddit was talking about like they had some some friend who had a really rich grandpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he won the lottery or if he was just super rich, but he basically like set up all his kids with fancy houses, paid off all their debts and gave them each $100,000 or something like that. And like 20 years later, most of them were back in debt. Some of them had mm. been foreclosed on. Like, you don't appreciate that money. And that's the thing. Yeah. Being a YouTuber, I know something about viral spikes. Mm-hmm. Like, you get that, it's out there, it's elation for a couple of seconds, and then it comes back down. You're like, oh man, everything I do, you know, it could be, it becomes so easy to peg that as the standard for your value that you create. And if it's like, oh, I got $1.5 billion overnight one time what the heck does that say for the rest of your life? It's going to be very tough to not compare whatever you make against that mm. and like have the motivation to make anything else. Yeah. Cause first of all, then it'll all be a drop in the bucket. And I mean, I know, I know it's like one of the seven deadly sins, but, but I think that in, in the best way possible, I do pride myself in the fact that I'm like a, a, Self-made man. Obviously, my parents were major contributors to my success, and mm. I mean, they fed me for years and all, all things like that. But like, not none of like the wealth that Laura and I have was given to us. And I mean, it's it's like one of those like silent confident things, confidence things. And I feel like everyone, I feel like I'd be walking down the street and everyone would look at me and like, oh, he just won the lottery. Like he he's worthless. Like mouth breather. <laughs> You know. I wouldn't want anyone to know. Oh, if I same. won, I would do the paper bag trick. I would have like LLCs upon LLCs. It's the paper like, bag trick, like putting it over your head. Some dude won lottery and he like accepted it with a paper bag over his head. That's awesome. With like eye holes cut, so nobody know who he was. That, that, that's what you should do. There's no way you should tell people who you are. That's the dumbest idea in the world. Like you think you get enough emails and phone calls right now. Your life is literally going to be saying no to people all day long and feeling like a terrible person mm. or saying yes and then just, you know, not making good decisions and letting people take advantage of you. I don't know. I mean, do you, do you realize like what $1.5 billion represents? I mean, like, I think people kind of look at money as in the context of what it can do for you, but money is a representation of value. And it's like, you didn't create that. You don't know what to do with it. You know, and like, uh, I think it was like Dustin, uh, the co-founder of Facebook, had uh, like a really good, and then, you know the founder of Quora mm-hmm. um, has like a really good mindset on this. In that, like, um, people like view money as like an uh, with an ownership, like this is my money. And he said that he never really viewed it as his money. It was always like the money. It's like a mm. tool, and he and he, you know he says like it it winds up accumulating around like value things. And he created something. He got really lucky, created something of very high value. And he feels like it's almost his job to like flush it back into the system or give it away. Cause it's not doing anything just sitting in his bank account. You know, it's mm. better, you know, in some, in other people's hands so they could do things with it. 
Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I've been, I've been just trying to like consolidate and make all these kind of like views mesh together between like the typical put your money in investments and let it you know accumulate over time. Like then you can retire on it versus like as a business person utilize that money as a tool because it is just a you know an object that represents effort and value and you can use it to do things i'll tell you what dude. no it's it's hard to figure because, out because what... because i now i have a platform and it's <laughs> being recorded uh there there's you know you can put in the market and we say seven percent on average a year but in the past like uh i don't know like 50 years or it's actually it's actually been like eight percent or maybe a little higher mm-hmm. and the fact of the matter is so you would earn seven percent but i think the real question is not like is seven percent um I, I think i think the real question is like if you were to put the money to work and invest it in yourself do you believe that you can make more than seven percent return right what's and, the return i could make and i really believe that you could earn a lot more so to take to earn the money and stick in your account and not to invest in you know, equipment to improve your videos or something to improve your site, like that is not efficient use of capital. My selfishly, my perspective. yeah, and like think of that from like an employee standpoint. Like, if you forgo, you know, the money to take a test to get like a new certification that can get you a raise faster, you know, and you, you instead decide to put it in the stock market. Like, are you really coming out ahead? Mm. Or like, if you you know, if you got a five k raise because of some some qualification you could add to your resume like that is easily the best return so i've been thinking about that i mean you've been like just egging me on to hire people like kind of step back and just distribute my work between you know more people and become more efficient like that's probably the best possible investment but my brain's always like but i gotta be saving this much per month so i can retire blah 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 you do good (laughs) and you live in a place that is cheap and I feel like uh, the internet has only seen 40% Thomas. I don't think they know what, like, you know, 70% Thomas looks like when Thomas is not mopping the floor of his own shop. <laughs> that is what I'm doing. I don't know. I feel like uh, James wanted us to, like, talk about the boats we'd buy and everything, but... <laughs> so I, I will tell so I have, you... like, the boring lottery view. I, I did do some math before, and okay. I, I went to this site, afterlotto.com, to calculate... Um, based on the Powerball and the Powerball and the state that you're in, what uh, the lump sum in tax would look like. So the lump sum for New Jersey for me, if it was 1.5 billion, I get 660 million nine hundred sixty thousand dollars, and you would I, get that. That would be the lump sum of 1.5 billion. So much it's like, mu- yeah, it's like not even half. Yeah, there's there's a lot of taxes, dude, and oh, and they break it down to all the things, and I, I'll spare you on that stuff, but. What I would do is they, they can the world's most like supposedly safest investment is a U.S. Treasury. It has yeah. the best credit rating, and I mean, if the U.S. government defaulted, like we're in World War Three. I mean, or it's probably World War End. Um, but what I would do is I would stick all of that money, a hundred percent of it, into Treasuries, okay. and um, I would keep my job until uh, the first coupon payment came in. And I would just live off of that. And I would never touch the principal. Um, and so the yield is about like 2% a year right now. So, um, second, I'm going to re. So, times 12. So, every month, 
you would get uh, $1.1 million in interest. Oh my gosh. And I mean, like, just live off of that, or, you know, and or put that you into could, your business. You could live off the interest of that one interest. And then what happens and- is you um, never touch it, and then you and your family and all your kids and all the generations after you could be wealthy forever. You know, as long as you put like stipulations in, like uh, like impossible to touch principal, only interest. I don't know. I feel like does it make me a dick if I like don't want to make my family wealthy forever? I've talked about that with Laura because I mean, we talk about like you know how the Rockefellers did it. Like I mean, the office of the Rockefellers are super rich, but like they never they never gave their kids a shit ton of money. It was like you got to make it, and that's why they stayed well, relevant and rich for so many years and so and part of it i mean or they would they would get uh you know stakes in the business and they would whatever but um if you go back to the stories when they were young the dad would make the kids keep a ledger of how where they put their money and they had to do their chores and um they had to save this much and then they could only spend this much and i think that if from day one you would still like respect for money respect for effort and work um, you can grow kids that when they earn, even if you give them money, um, that they, they will do the right thing and they'll, they'll, they'll make their own value in the world. Um, yeah, I think that's the important thing is that they, they don't, they don't give up or that, you know, they have a struggle. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember, uh, you know, Derek Savers is right. Mm-mm. He's the guy who founded CD baby, which like became a huge player in the music industry. Uh, upshot of it is he sold the company had a crap ton of money from it and i think what he did is he put like just enough for him to live off of for the rest of his life in a trust that would pay him monthly and then he gave the rest away Hmm. just like straight up and i i don't know i just i find that kind of idea attractive just like having so much that you would never ever need to work again just i don't know it just seems like and then, too easy and then people on like arbitrary personal finance podcasts are like talking about you, <laughs> you did you did that that's pretty cool it is cool Derek service is amazing uh i don't know if you just saw the video that i did about like what to do if you have too many interests mm-hmm. but i have like this page on my site it's like the now page it's just like slash now and that was kind of his idea and it just kind of helps you figure out what your priorities are at the moment i don't know he's a, just an awesome guy and I love his his approach to basically everything. <laughs> Anywho, so yeah, suffice to say, I wouldn't buy like a Lambo or anything. Mm, no, no, I just and I wouldn't even want to play the lottery. I'm not cool but enough for a Lambo. The only lottery I play is the Pokemon Pack lottery. Occasionally, I still buy Pokemon trading cards and hopefully get something cool. But <laughs> <laughs> but I found that the odds of getting something cool in that game are like one in three. Mm. So. It pays off and it's fun. And I found that that, that's easier. That's more fun than doing it with magic. No, I don't sell them. I literally just play the game and I just collect the cards just for fun because my roommates do it as well. So I can like I have something to play with them at night. Right, right. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Anywho, uh, let's move on to our second question. Which so this is a question that I hadn't considered in a long time, but Maggie wants to know if we recommend any particular like online stock market games or simulators mm-hmm. for total noobs. And I haven't played a stock game since I was in I think it was my senior year. I don't even remember which one we played. 
Um, but they had us do some stock game. And I remember I pumped all my money into Apple. <laughs> and during that semester, they went down like $10 a share. So I totally lost. But then you know what happened after that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Multiple splits and just uh, I would have made uh, so much money. But eh, that's value hindsight. Um, so I, you mentioned that Motley Fool has one, right? It's, it's called a CAPS, C-A-P-S. That's right. And I believe it was caps.fool.com. I, I think it'd be crazy yep. if they changed. CAPS. Yeah, that's what it is. That's, that's the address. So um, yep. when people think of like stock market games, they're like, all right, I have $10,000 of fake money or, or real money or whatever, and I'm going to put it into these things. I'm going to see how it grows, and I'm going to have $30,000. And they're really focused on the dollar value of it. Mm. Um, so caps, dollars don't matter, right? Right. Well, so, I mean, it really, the whole point of the game is to see, you know, how your picks do. Yeah. Um, and caps is tied to prices, um, but uh, it takes, like, the dollar amount out of it. It's a very, like, interesting way and it's kind of based on percentage gain um mm. it's a very vibrant community and there's a ton like of research and stuff in there when i first started investing i i almost solely based my decisions on the caps community really um, not that i recommend anyone like do this but um i think it's pretty awesome for researching stocks and testing your ideas the problem is huh. it, it happens in real time so if you were to invest in Apple in the Caps game, you would only know in, in eight months if it did good. And then if it did good, you're like, shit, I should have put real money in. <laughs> <laughs> it's always how it is. Hindsight, man. Mm. Uh, I did notice that like there's also blogs on here. So like people who are doing Caps like write blog posts and kind of looks like they're doing reports on their progress and um kind of explaining decisions so that's people, pretty cool people put a ton of effort into like their what why they said they're buying or selling a stock and it's like such a, a ridiculous community that people build reputations and you get ranked based on how well you do and so people are like there's like a lot on the line for some of these people even though it's like a virtual community where like the output is like pretty awesome yeah oh, that's cool Okay, so just to give an alternative or some alternative picks, I know Investopedia has their own stock simulator, and that's one where you can do like fake money if you want. Mm. And then I think we did the episode on Google Finance. You can literally just track stocks in Google Finance. And then, I mean, you could easily, this is, it doesn't have to be calc uh, complicated for anything you do. You could just have like an Excel spreadsheet where you're like, on this day, the this stock that I picked was at, you know, this market cap or something and then uh just track it over time yeah i mean in google finance you could create like different portfolios and i have mm -hmm. one I, I call the bench and uh, it's okay. like stocks that i'm interested in but i haven't bought yet. i'm just kind of like watching them and the day that i was interested i put the date i put the uh the price of the share at that time and i always just use like one or ten and everything's kind of the same and then yeah, you could track it over time you could always backdate it so you could yeah. you could have saw like how you would have done Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, of course, there's no like competitive uh, like aspect to it. It's just you versus yourself. Yeah, yeah, cool. So we'll link those up in the show notes. But I guess like mm -hmm. you think Caps is probably the the one to do if you want to get into like something. Yeah, Caps is pretty cool. Sweet, cool.
Cool. So uh, next question. Uh, this comes from, well, there's no name on this one, actually. And there's no name on the next two. So I'm going to call this guy Ted. <laughs> Ted asks, I was wondering if you had me decide something. I have a 9K in credit card debt. Sucks. And I fell into the trap of a 15-month 0% APR. Totally ready to make a plan to pay it off. However, I'm wondering if I should take out a loan to help lower the interest rate while paying it off. I heard you mention Lending Club. Would you recommend that route or some other alternative? And I mean, it looks like you already emailed the dude an answer, but if he's doing 0% APR for 15 months, like what could possibly be a lower interest rate? <laughs> so just... They could uh, be paying me, him. As I understand it, like you're paying off debt with no interest for 15 months, right? Right. Okay. Well, the obviously that's, you should just be paying that off as fast as you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that counter is a blessing. Don't count... The, I don't know why you think fifteen percent is a uh, or fifteen month zero percent is a trap, unless he's like talking about it as like a trap that caused him to get into debt in the first place. Well, okay. So the thing is, like, um, it the, the the trap is that one they charge you to roll like balances, unless he spent this all on a, a zero. It was a zero balance to begin with, and he spent uh, bought a boat. Yeah, bought a boat for nine k. <laughs> You know, on this card, they cost money to transfer, and usually zero percent APR. It's for fifteen months. You have to make the payment every month, and if you don't, it triggers the in- the interest rate, which is effed, oh. and it's usually it's usually like twenty something terrible percent. So, so it's like the the credit card company's like holding a piano over your head, basically. You like make one little mistake, they just drop it on you. And we we were talking about the law of large numbers before we were recording, and basically stats say. That most people get at will will not pay. They think it's free oh. money, and so they kill it. They make a killing on these things. That's why they're you see them all the time. Okay, you miss your so, first payment, and then you just get triggered on the full balance. Like, oh my gosh. Okay, so I mean, it seems like the answer here is clear. If you have a zero percent APR, then pay off that nine k as fast as you can under that interest rate, mm. because you're never gonna have any cheaper interest rate than that. And I guess if you have you know, if you have more debt at the end of that and you find yourself on 20% or whatever it is later on, then yeah, you could look at Lending Club or something. I mean, you've done that, right? Not yeah. for credit card debt, but you've done that for, you've just used Lending Club. So I did use it for credit card debt. There was like a period, oh, okay. I think it was like year two of Listen to My Matters, where I kind of took my eye off the ball and mm. um, I, I racked some up. And so I used Lending Club, refinanced it down low and then just killed it. Boom. Okay. Oh yeah, there's so there's the road, and then you mentioned also like if you have uh, if you want to build like a plan for paying it down, ready for zero, still mm-hmm. great option for that, or just like as we said again, Excel spreadsheet, just figure out how much you want to pay. Absolutely, you know, but just yeah, crush it. All right, question number four. Uh, let's say also no, this is this one's gonna come from uh, Darth Vader. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Darth. <laughs> Thank you, Darth. <laughs> Once I started working. Uh, so I said, once I started working exactly a year ago today, so I'm guessing this is a younger person then. Mm. Uh, I opened up an, a Roth IRA with Fidelity only because they were the company I heard of the most. And I basically have all of my money in a life cycle Fidelity mutual fund around 4.2K is my contribution. So I'm guessing that means 4.2K a year? I think so, yeah. So they're not maxing, but they're, they're close. My question to you guys is if I should keep my account with Fidelity continue to invest with this mutual fund and other funds uh, and open up another account with Betterment. I don't know. That was 
weirdly written sentence. Um, I guess the question is like, should they diversify? If so, what kind of account should I open with Betterment? How should I divide my contributions approximately with these two accounts, like 50-50 or 60-40? Or to be best to roll everything over into a Betterment Roth IRA and just close my Fidelity account? Uh, so I guess like, what, what is the life cycle? Is, the li- is there just one life cycle mutual fund with Fidelity, Andrew? Or is it like... So it, um, I'm looking it up now, and uh, it's like Fidelity Freedom 2040 fund. Fidelity Freedom 2050 fund. Okay. Um, and I'm assuming this is what he's talking about. Okay. So, I mean, I guess it... It's a tough question, because I guess you can just look, look at the expense ratio on this, which looks like it's... Very high. 0.75%. So, and, and this is kind of... Yeah, this is like which the isn't, whole... That's not super high, but it's higher than what you're going to get with Betterment. Look, the... Darth's Death Star was definitely <laughs> higher than 075 percent. But uh, so I wrote the, I wrote this in the very beginning of listening. I wrote this article: destroy your 401k fees and personal capital has this awesome tool helps you find your fees and reduce them, and they'll show you how much you'll pay over time. And a one percent fee over th- roughly thirty years will eat up almost 25 or or i think it was a little over 25 percent of the total wealth that you had generated during that time period what because um it's exponential that sounds ridiculous as your money grows the one percent gets larger and larger um and so the whole thing is it's like yeah i feel like it can't eat up like 50 percent of the money you were gonna make no so of your gains Right, so 25% of your gains over the 30 years would have went to, because not every year are you going to gain, right? Some years it might go sideways, some years it might go down, but you're paying 1% always. Okay, huh. So, um, obviously, if if you were up 5%, then you would have only made 4%, and it would have cost you 1%. Okay. Right? And, um... So long story short, like fees really suck and people see this 1% and they're like, oh, I keep 99%. That's awesome. And they don't really look at the overall cost. Um, Fidelity's, I, I love Fidelity as a company, but uh, their, their funds is where they make the money and the services they mm. provide are, are like the loss leaders. Um, I would, if you wanted to buy a life cycle fund, I would buy it through Betterment. I mean, I mean, not Betterment, uh, Vanguard. Through Vanguard? Yeah, Betterment's awesome, and I kind of use it as, like, my investing checking account. Yeah. But that, no one could beat, beat the fees on Vanguard. And, I mean, when I look at my Betterment account, like, it's full of Vanguard funds. Mm. BTI, VTV, VOE, BBR, it's all... Yep, everything in my Betterment is Vanguard. So... so this speaks volumes. I guess the, the fee question is easily answered like you're going to get lower fees by far with vanguard even if you do their retirement fund you know or if you just build up your own portfolio you could do betterment too i mean i think we usually just recommend betterment if it's like you don't want to make any decisions or think then this is probably the thing to do and the thing is like if you were to take your 4.2k and you were to put it into so so you have like three options right you have 100 percent in fidelity freedom um, you have 100% in Betterment or 100% in Vanguard, right? Uh, Vanguard's going to be the cheapest, 
But Betterment is still going to be two to three times cheaper than the Fidelity Freedom Fund, and it's going to be diversified across whatever. Um, and it's like super easy. Like you don't have to. Yeah, I guess that's that's like the huge selling point also with Betterment. Is that it's just like I guess the only the only counterpoint is like you got to look at you know what's the what's the historical return on one fund versus the other one because if mm-hmm. the return you know outweighs the added fee then you make more. You know, that's something my advisor was telling me, like, you can't just look at the fees because if you just look at the fees, you're like missing the forest for the trees, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's tough. If you're in a crappy fund, that past doesn't performance charge you Past performance is no indication of future performance. See, that, I, think, I think that's like, people, people use that as a justification for arguments on both sides. Mm. They'll be like, Oh well, that fund did well in the past, but past performance is no indication of future performance. It might tank tomorrow. But then people also are like, "Well, that fund was in the crapper for past twenty years, but don't worry, past performance is no indication of future performance." Like this gets thrown around forever, but that's the data we have to work with. No, dude, but you you know what my I don't do I even have to tell you like my answer? Like <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, you have to do your fucking research. Yeah, like, exactly. I do like, research. Uh, the fr- the Fidelity Freedom Fund is not just like some magical black box. Like, if you wanted to dig in, yeah, like it'll tell you like what's inside the fund, what they invest in, what their methodologies are, and like so when you go into a fund, like if if you want to not think about it, I think that's what Betterment is awesome for, right? Um, but if you wanted to say compare Fidelity Freedom twenty forty to Vanguard's life cycle 2040, you would look at the underlying assets and, you know, it very well may be the exact same things. Right? Yeah, so do that. But I, I, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, do the research, look into what the funds are invested in, but when it, at the end of the day, the data you have to look at when it comes to those individual funds is the past performance. Mm-hmm. You know, where are those funds going? Do you think they're invested in industries and companies that have a good future? You, I mean, there's like endless rabbit holes you could go down with this. So, like, I guess you have to like put yourself on the slider between insane complexity and simplicity. You know, pick the area that you're comfortable with, time investment wise, and you know your confidence and your ability to research wise, and then pick an expense ratio that you're comfortable with and look at the performance and Dude, make your decision from there. You, you know, it, it's actually like so when you go to the when you search fidelity freedom 2040 it brings you this page one of the tabs is called composition and you click on it and it'll break down where mm-hmm. they put all their money in and i mean surprise surprise the fidelity freedom fund invests in all other fidelity funds mm-hmm. like the fidelity equity income fund growth company all sector blue chip intrinsic opportunities so, you know like blah 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 um and I bet you Vanguard is the same, just investing in theirs. And I don't know, dude. Yeah, I guess it's like you have a car for $20,000, you know, the Honda Civic for $20,000, or you have a brand new Honda Civic for $30,000. You obviously want to pay $20,000. I'm confused. Uh, sorry, that was... A Honda so, Civic is not an investment, though. I mean, I, I, guess I mean, like, it gets okay. you to work. I guess the, the point was if you have two things, two identical things... And one is cheaper. You should always. But that's supposing that it's identical. Hmm. Like I forgot what the fallacy's name. But that's like assuming the the outcome based on a faulty assumption. You know, of like a based on a faulty prior. 
Mm-hmm. You don't know that this is identical to this. You know, if I have like a lawyer who charges $300 an hour versus a lawyer who charges $100 an hour, by that logic, you're just like, we'll take the $100 an hour guy. It's like the $100 an hour guy's like got coffee spilled in his shirt. He's going <laughs> to file my LLC paperwork with like the fucking Willy Wonka chocolate factory instead of the government because he doesn't know how to do the zip codes. Like, obviously, the $300 guy is a better investment in that case. In this case, do not call Saul, right? <laughs> so, you just gotta... I'm not saying, like, stay in Fidelity. This is not me saying, like, you need to stay with a more expensive fund. This is me saying, like, expense ratio is not the only factor to consider. I, I absolutely It might agree. be a good rule of thumb, but... I absolutely agree. Um... But I will say that, you know, there's only so many ways, uh, you know, I, I got to just love the cliches. There's only so many ways to skin a cat, right? Like you're going to have. So if you look at, say, uh, the Fidelity Freedom Fund versus the Lifecycle Fund, the, the approach is going to be very, very similar, right? Hmm. Obviously different underlying funds. But if, if you look at the graph that shows you over time how it like becomes less stocks, more bonds, and you go to Vanguard's site, it's like the same picture, you know? And it's like the same funds with different names. And then the question is, Fidelity Series Blue Chip Growth Fund. I don't know. How many ways can you create a blue chip fund? There are blue chip companies like consider blue chips based on blah, blah, blah specifications, and that's just kind of like it. So they will, yeah. they will be different, but I think that... um. You know, if you were buying into the Andrew Fieber 2040 life cycle fund and the fees were higher because I said it's better, you know, I'd be like, oh, you know, it's different because Vanguard has like a name. Like they're like the the platinum standard, you know, like you know, so- I, I'm, I'm down to buy into the Andrew Fieber 2040 life cycle fund. Dude, it's $10,000 <laughs> $10, to get in. Okay. Um, and as soon as someone gives me $10,000 more, I can give you some money <laughs> <laughs> this sounds sounds kind of like a ponzi scheme we don't, we don't use that word <laughs> we don't use that word oh my gosh like dude, well, i wish i wish vanguard it looks like the fidelity money. fund that i'm in is up and all the vanguard funds i'm in are down current performance is indicative of future performance <laughs> that's all we need to look at <laughs> anyways that's yeah, it, my two cents or actually, I think my mint just hasn't updated. That's probably why. Yeah, I mean, we could debate endlessly on this, but oh fuck, you're probably right. Certain, certain, uh, you know, certain funds are going to be composed very similarly to other ones. But at the end of the day, do the research. Don't just assume. Look at the performance and be like, okay, if these two funds are similar, then yes, take the the cheaper one. While we were discussing this, I was getting all worked up, and Laura had left this purple pen on my desk, and I was fiddling with it. You make a blow up, and it blew up, and I just have purple all <laughs> <Yeah>. over me, <laughs> like all over my shirt, all over my hands. You look like you just <laughs> did skin a cat. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get into the last question here. Uh, here we go. So this one's from Tommy, actual name, and he says, "So I often hear you and other people recommend that if you have debt, then pay off uh, all the debt first before investing." I got 40k in 6% interest student loan debt to which my father gave me the same advice recently uh, telling me he could not think of any investment that would yield a higher return than the interest of my loans. That is, however, until I informed him that I am on the pay-as-you-earn plan. I'm not sure their formula is for calculating my income-based monthly payments, but I earn $47,000 a year and I'm paying roughly $200 a month 
pain in the ass, but otherwise completely manageable. And here's the kicker. After 20 years, the remaining balance is forgiven. Since I will have whatever accrues an interest forgiven after 20 years, is it still essential that I pay off that before investing? And is there any sort of formula or at least an online calculator to guess what my net interest would be? You know, so I like found a calculator for income, income contingent repayments. Wait, wait. And it was weird because like I put in his his numbers and it said it was he should pay like three sixty four a month, but I don't. I'm, maybe it's a different. So I want to I want to do thing. some really simple calculations, and I think this is like this is hilarious because, uh, so two hundred dollars a month, right? So two hundred times twelve mm-hmm. would be two thousand four hundred dollars a year, right? And we're gonna do this for twenty years. So then we're just gonna do two thousand four hundred times twenty. The the number so at the end. Thousand is $48,000. His student loans is $40,000, right? So obviously it's over 20 years. Um but and and this is comes like to that whole like mortgage conversation. Um 6% is a very high number. Mhm. That that's that's just a very high number. Um Yeah, I guess I guess the question is like over 20 years how much are you going to pay? And I think that like he's on an income-based monthly payment plan. Why would you assume that for 20 years, you're not going to make more money? More money. Yeah. Like, unless you're like, I'm going to be a social worker and I'm going to help people, you know, in soup kitchens. And I'm literally going to do that for 20 years. Then, then maybe that makes sense. But I, I would feel like if I'm on the income-based repayment plan and I'm banking on my debt being forgiven in 20 years, like, what does that say about my ambition to increase my income? Mm. It, it's non-existent, dude. That, so. is, that is an awesome point. That is an awesome point because all those those years, those months when he's paying two hundred and he's he's killing it. He doesn't have to pay anything. It's easy. He could totally survive. Like his debt is still compounding at six percent a year, and he's just paying down no principal. Yeah, and I mean, like, okay, twenty years from now they forgive that. Blah blah blah. Um, sure, but I don't know. I'm of I'm of the mindset that I want that debt gone. Mm. You know, it's six percent, and and it's twenty years. That's that's a long time to be. You have to, you have to think of it chipping away at something like, like that. So the government. So if if you had a student loan and uh, you refinanced, and it was a private loan. Um, oh, actually, actually, I don't think you declare bankruptcy on any student loans. But the government was the primary giver you of student kinda loans. Kind of can, but. Yeah, you, you kind of can. You have to basically be like living on the street, destitute, to get it forgiven through bankruptcy. With, with our political setup, and and no one would allow the government to consistently lose money giving out student loans, right? The Republicans yeah. would would murder who whatever person you know suggested this. So uh, chances are they're going to make out on the deal, and. Uh, yeah, just got to get rid of the debt. He's got oh, to do unfortunately, it. the studentloans.gov website is unavailable because of maintenance right now. So I can't do like the full calculations, but I think you can do that. And you really should take into account the, the fact that you're probably going to make more as you go along. You know, mm. I guess it depends on your situation. If you're like committed to never making more, <laughs> I would pay that off. You know, I would establish that emergency fund like we talk about, you know, have like three to six months of stuff saved. So just in case something happens and then and I would, I would be paying that off full war. You know what? And maybe you don't make more, but what happens if you get married and your, your wife or husband 
uh, makes mm. the same as you, but now total, and they they have no debt, but now your total household income is more. And I mean, I don't know how it all plays out and, and what the exact rules are, but I think, um, I don't think that you could win not paying off your debt. Yeah, think we got it. I think so. I think it was all pretty right. sweet. Cool guys. Well, hey, if you've got other questions, uh, best place to ask them is in our community, which you can go to listenmoneymatters.com slash join to find. Uh, we got lots of nerds in there who will debate us endlessly and come up with lots of good answers. So if you've got questions. Including Thomas, who is just nerd debating only a few days ago <laughs> on the 401k loan. Uh, and you actually, I, I read your response. I was oh like, gosh. oh my God, this is awesome. I could do so much less research because Thomas already did it for me. Uh, I took way too long on that. I was like literally reading through like Wharton Business School research papers on this. And I'm like, do I really need to know all this research about 401k loans? I don't know if I do, but now I do. Yeah, suffice <laughs> it to say, you're not double taxed on the principal like a lot of people think. I think that the media just throws around like, you're double taxed on 401k loans. I'm mm. not. Well, most people don't do the math. You're double taxed on the interest, which you would be paying 100% of back to a personal loan lender in the first case. In the, you know, in the first case. So like the interest, the double taxation argument doesn't play out in my mind. Mm. The behavioral economics article does play out in my mind. So that's why I'm, I'm a little bit on the opposite side of the fence. I agree. Of you. Because it's like, I, if I'm like sitting on the side of the road screaming, hey, take money out of your 401k, like there's going to be somebody who goes and screws their life over with that. So, okay, but, here's the thing. And, and I, I actually absolutely agree with you. And that, that's what people constantly uh, bring up. And they're right. Um, we do have like an obligation to like convey the risks of, of various financial things that could happen. But um, from, from the beginning, and I don't, I don't want this to be an excuse, but like, do your own damn research and you have to make the decision. Like we can lead you to water. We like our job is to educate you. And I think that we would not be doing our job if we didn't show you every possibility. Right. Yeah. Because I think the reason that people jump down our throats on this particular issue is because it's so easy. Mm. Cause I mean, objectively, if this is a bad idea for people, then everyone should be jumping down our throats on real estate investing because you can really get screwed on that. If you yeah, your you leverage really and high, but anything that we talk about, you know, we, we if we were going to do it the way that some of these people would have us do it, we would have a five episode podcast that would mm. end where we'd just be like, <laughs> don't do any your money into Vanguard and have an emergency fund and pay off your debt and that buy, you know, yeah, have a budget like, and and you know what we want to get into ways to leverage your money more effectively. Check but you have out. to be intelligent about it. You're you're uh, listening to a personal finance podcast. I'm going to say that, and and we're not just like the personal. We're not like Dave Ramsey, where we're going to repeat the same thing like every week to you and just like, beat you down. Like we actually go all over the place. We cover tons of things. We rarely touch on anything twice, besides the core concepts. I think, and from from what I've seen in the community, we're going to get called out for that. <laughs> What? I, I, whatever i, I get think called we out judge our things twice more than we think we do the, the thing is the, the audience skews very intelligent mm, i think so yeah and, and they, they, they're like uh deep like they're research heavy where they're gonna sooner be in analysis paralysis and do nothing because they're weighing a million decisions than just like doing this thing I, it's just the the audience we've inadvertently attracted mostly because you're smart thomas um <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, because of me, it's mostly because of you. You've ruined everything. Uh, and so, I think like I would rather trust that people will do the right thing, and we will talk about the wrong thing. Mm. But I, I don't want to treat anyone like they're an idiot. I want to treat them like an adult. Cool. Getting right, off guys. my high horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that community, listenmoneymatters.com slash join, or you can email us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com questions you have. And uh, other than that, if you want to find our favorite tools and resources and stuff of that nature, listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox, where you can find all that good stuff. Other than that, see you next week. Later, man. Later, dude. Tell your friends about this show.